Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Thank you for joining us on Truth That Changes Lives. Pastor J.P. Jones is the senior pastor of Crossline Community Church in Laguna Hills, California, and a professor in biblical studies at Biola University. Today on Truth That Changes Lives, Pastor J.P. will be giving us a message from a series entitled Spiritual Gifts. Let's listen in as J.P. gives part two of Call to Be a Steward. Every one of us here has been gifted. We are all parts of the body. That's what Paul's saying here in 1 Corinthians 12. The body is made up of different parts, different positions, and every one of us has a part to play, a position to play. And when we experience God's life in us, and we share that life with one another, God is glorified, people are blessed, and we find joy. It's a win-win-win. God is glorified, People are blessed, and we find joy. We are all parts of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, continuing this passage, it says this, And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Now he's getting very specific about the spiritual gifts that have been given. Using Paul's analogy, the specific parts that are part of the body. Using my analogy of sports, the specific positions on the team. And he says in this list, apostles, prophets, teachers, workers of miracles, those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. God is the one who appoints us in the church. If you were with us a couple weeks ago when we were in the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we saw that the Holy Spirit is the one who sovereignly gives the spiritual gifts that He gives. He is the one who decides and determines which gifts we receive, what position we play on the team, what part we are in the body. That's God's prerogative. And God has appointed positions. And what this tells me is that in the body, there is a structure and priority of gifts. In the body, there is a structure and priority of gifts. Because I want you to notice something. The first three gifts, it says this. First of all, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. And then in the other gifts, it says, then workers of miracles. Then those who have gifts of healing. Then those who are able to help then those who have gifts of administration, and then those who speak in different kinds of tongues. In other words, he separates the first three as first, second, third, and then the rest he includes as part of the list. You might be asking, well, what is he trying to do here? Well, I want you to kind of piece together things that we've been studying and discovering from the Scriptures. If you were with us in the very beginning, we talked about the fact from Romans chapter 12, there's a list of spiritual gifts, And I emphasize that in that context, it appears that what Paul is describing is our motivation. What drives us to serve and to contribute and to give. So those are motivation gifts. 
in 1 Corinthians 12, which we looked at the last time we were together, it speaks that each one of us has received a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, and a list of gifts are given. Those are manifestation gifts. Those are gifts that demonstrate or manifest the Holy Spirit's presence in our life. In this list of gifts, the context is how we are all parts of the body. These are membership gifts. These are how we complement one another within the body. So the idea is a little more around the whole idea of organization, the church as a structural organization, just like on a sports team. Yeah, everybody plays baseball, but there are specific positions, and there's a structure, there's an order, there's a complement to the positions. Just like in the body, every part's a body, but there's a specific purpose of the body. And even in the human body, uh, take my analogy about the disc. I mean, it's just a little part, but it's pretty important. But do you know, it would be very painful, and it wouldn't be the best quality of life, but you could live without your discs, but you couldn't live without your heart. What Paul's trying to say is every spiritual gift is important, every spiritual gift is necessary, but from the standpoint of the structure and the organization, there is a priority. There are some gifts that are more necessary and more needed from the organizational idea of the body. And he even distinguishes three here. Apostle, prophet, and teaching. So we have in our list so far that we've been putting together, from Romans 12, we've got the motivation gifts. From 1 Corinthians 12, the first part, we've got manifestation gifts. And here we have membership gifts. Some of them are mentioned in all three lists, but the focus or the context from the passage is what helps us understand what Paul is trying to describe. Our gifts matter to the body of Christ. And how God has gifted us makes a contribution to the whole. 1 Corinthians 12, 29, and 30 says this, Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? It's a series of questions. They're rhetorical questions. And it's a rhetorical question that anticipates a negative answer. So he says, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. Third observation. No particular gift is given to everyone. No particular gift is given to everyone. Part of coming into a new relation with God, we have a new identity in Christ. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He's given us spiritual gifts. He's called us to be a part of a body. We have an interdependent relationship with one another as we live out our life in Christ. But there is no particular gift that has been given to every one of us. We're not all teachers. We're not all people who show mercy. We're not all people who have gifts of healing. We're not all people who have the gift of speaking in tongues. We're not all people who have the gift of leadership. We're not all people who have the gift of prophecy. We're not all people who have the gift of administration. There is no particular gift that is given to everyone. And the reason... Remember the context is that the body is made up of parts. That's his whole illustration. The body is not one big eye. The body is not one big foot. The body is not one big mouth. There may be a big mouth who's a part of the body. That's a whole other issue. <sighs> the body is made up of parts. So we should not be looking for any particular gift and say, well, because somebody else has that, I need to have it too, or I'm not really part of the body. Or somebody else has this gift, and they're a spiritual person, so the mark of spirituality is having that particular gift. So I better 
try to get that gift. No. God is the one who gives gifts. He gives them differently to different people. And no particular gift is the one gift that everyone should have or the one gift that marks someone as spiritual. You see, we need the complement of gifts. That's the whole point. For the body to be whole and all that it was created to be, we need all the parts. And you've been given a part. You've been given a spiritual gift, maybe more than one particular gift. And it's as you understand how God has designed you and equipped you and placed you in the body that the whole body is going to be built up, that you're going to find your joy, and that God's kingdom work is going to be accomplished here on earth. 1 Corinthians 12, 31. But eagerly desire the greater gifts, and now I will show you the most excellent way. Two parts to this one verse. First of all, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. This is an imperative statement in the original language. In other words, it's a command. The verb zelao means to zealously want something, to eagerly want something, to passionately look to something. It's that verb that is used to describe the way we should seek after, want, and look to spiritual gifts, and in particular, the greater gifts. Well, I thought all gifts are important, all gifts are necessary, all parts are needed. Yes, but now he's going back to this concept of the organizational structure of the church church functioning as a unit, there are certain parts that are more necessary, more integral, more foundational to the church being what the church is called to be. Well, what are those? Well, the passage tells us. Apostle, prophet, and teacher. Well, what is it about apostle, prophet, and teacher that makes those gifts the greater gifts that we as a body should zealously long for. By the way, this is a plural command, so it's not an individual command. It's not saying that you as an individual or me as an individual should long for or desire the greater gifts or you as an individual should long for and desire the greater gifts, but we as a body, every particular body, every church as a church should desire the greater gifts for the blessing of the whole church so the church could be what the church is called to be, so the church could bless the community and accomplish God's kingdom purposes. Well, what is it about apostle, prophet, and teacher that accomplishes that? First of all, let me say something about the gift of apostleship. The verb for apostle is the verb apostello, which means to send with a message. The noun apostle means one sent with a message. There was a unique role of the 12 apostles. They played a unique, non-repeated role in the life of Jesus and the foundation of the New Testament church. They were given certain spiritual gifts, they were given certain authority, and they were handpicked by God to be the means by which his revelation was communicated. They wrote the New Testament, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 1, to be one of those apostles, you had to have literally physically seen the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. None of us qualify. Nobody here is an apostle in the sense of the 12 apostles. Does that mean the gift of apostleship is no longer being given? Remember our discussion? Taking you back, putting us all together. I talked about the fact that there are three paradigms for understanding spiritual gifts. One paradigm does say that certain gifts are no longer given today. That certain gifts have ceased and they're no longer given. They only had a role in the original church, the founding of the church, and the writing of Scripture. That's called the cessationist view. Cessation means stopped, ceased. The other view, kind of at the other end of the extreme, is what's called the Pentecostal view. The Pentecostal view says all gifts are being given and every believer should have all the gifts. 
So all gifts, all time, all persons. In between is the position that says God has given these spiritual gifts. There's no compelling reason to believe these gifts are no longer continuing to be given. They are all being given. The exercise of those gifts are to be according to the practice and teaching of Scripture. But no particular gift is the one gift that everybody has received. And the key is to be open to the Holy Spirit to allow the Holy Spirit to gift you and allow the Holy Spirit to gift your church. And while there's a big tent in terms of Christendom, and there even is a big tent here at Crossline in terms of what we believe and how we practice our relationship with Christ. It's important for you to know as the teaching pastor, as the founding pastor, my position is this middle position. I don't believe that the scripture teaches that God has stopped giving all spiritual gifts. But nor do I believe that every gift is given to every person and every church should be functioning in every gift. I believe the Holy Spirit is the sovereign giver of gifts. And as he has gifted you, you need to exercise that gift to his fullness. But as a church, we should, as scripture commands us right here, desire the greater gifts. Well, what is this gift of apostleship if it's not being one of the founding apostles? It's being one sent with a message. That's what the word means. Apostles are missionaries, church planters, leaders of organizations, people who set the charge and go, they're pioneers. They start new works and they have a foundational kind of role in getting something established. And that burns within them to be a person who, you know, like Star Trek, boldly go where no man has gone before. What about prophets? Those are people who speak for God. They give God's message. Teachers, they explain and clarify God's message. Well, why are these called the greater gifts in the context of the organization? Because when we come together as a body, not talking about the individual experience of the believer, but when we come together as a body, we need direction. We need leadership. We need a word from God. We need revelation. An apostle prophet and teachers speak for God and lead the way so the whole body can follow. And as a church, we should desire the greater gifts. Every church should desire that because the church needs leadership. The church needs teaching from God's word. The church needs gifted people who speak for God and say, this is where God has taken us. Follow me as I follow God. And that's what these gifts provide for the body. So what's the command of scripture? Eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now, what's the second half of this passage? It says, but eagerly desire the greater gifts, and it's connected, and now I will show you the more excellent way. It's connected by what follows in the next passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I will show you the most excellent way, continuing with the thought, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but of not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they'll cease. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. 
thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. But then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Paul says at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Desire, greatly desire the greater gifts, and I show you a still more excellent way. In other words, there's something that supersedes gifts, even the greater gifts. There's something even more important than this whole discussion about the body and how the body relates to one another through its parts and how the parts are representative of spiritual gifts. What he says is that love supersedes giftedness. Love supersedes giftedness. It's as if the apostle writing here is kind of tracking with what he's been saying. He's been saying that we're a body. We're all parts of this body. We need to understand what part we play in the body in the sense that the body is an organization. There are even some greater parts. There are greater gifts. But it's almost as if he said, now time out. Lest any of you get kind of preoccupied in thinking about gifts and get misaligned in eagerly desiring the greater gifts, let me come back to what's the most important thing of all. Love. Love. Remember what Jesus said? It's foundational to who we are as a church. They, they approached Jesus one day. Matthew 22 records some of the, the top theologians. And they said, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And there's a second unto it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. On these two commandments, all the law and the prophets stand. Love God and love people. That's the greatest commandment. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Uh, while we were on vacation this past week, my daughter Ashton and I, she's 11, we memorized some scripture together. I was helping her. I said, let's memorize 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let's love one another. For love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God because God is love. And then we memorize this passage from 1 Corinthians 13 as well, the last verse. Now, these three remain. Faith, hope, love. But the greatest is love. The greatest is love. You see, what we need to do more than anything else as we think about this whole discussion and this, this study of spiritual gifts... We need to keep the main thing, the main thing. In fact, it's been said, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. (laughs) The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is love. This morning, more than anything else, what God wants to do in this church, what God wants to do in your life, is to touch you with his love, to fill you with his love, and to use you to share his love with someone else. We've got to keep the main thing, the main thing. What a great message for all of us today. Pastor JP provides us with great insight. That is why we'd like to make it available to you on CD. Just get in touch and mention today's date. We'll send it your way for just $5. Or if you'd like to support this ministry, you can write us at Truth That Changes Lives, 23331 Molten Parkway, Laguna Hills, California, 92653. Or give us a call at 949 916 0250. That's 949-916-0250. For your gift of $25 or more, 
we will send you a signed copy of JP's new book, Facing Goliath. Please join us every Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. at Crossline Church in Laguna Hills. The address is 23331 Moulton Parkway, Laguna Hills, California, 92653. Or check us out on the web at crosslinechurch.com. We're going to get to the address and phone number again in a moment. But before we do that, Pastor JP, do you have any insight from today's message? Thanks, Greg. We've been looking at the Bible in terms of what it says about spiritual gifts. Every one of us as believers in Jesus Christ has been given spiritual gifts. These gifts are for the glory of God to build up the body of Christ so that the church can accomplish Christ's mission in the world. God has given us spiritual gifts. It's part of the new life that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. And we've been looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that speaks about these gifts are to complement one another in the body of Christ. We've been made a whole new body, a whole new ministry with Jesus Christ, with other believers. We're part of the body of Christ, and our spiritual gifts are the way we show our uniqueness, our differences, and how we build up one another in accomplishing Christ's purposes. We've seen that Paul has been describing these spiritual gifts in a context because in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, the whole topic is spiritual gifts. He introduces this topic in chapter 12. He concludes this topic in chapter 14. And in the middle, in 1 Corinthians 13, he appears to be talking about something different, but really he's talking about the context for how spiritual gifts are to operate because all of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is about God's unconditional love how that love changes our lives, how we're to reflect that love back to God, and how we're to demonstrate that love towards one another. In effect, what Paul is teaching us is this. Spiritual gifts have no value if they're not motivated by love. Spiritual gifts have no significance if they're not an expression of God's love in our lives to other people. What we need to come to grips with is that God loves us and that love is transforming and that love is activated in our lives and expressed to one another through the obedient expression of our spiritual gifts. The other day, as I was putting my daughter to bed, I was talking to her about this passage in 1 Corinthians 13. And I said, you know what God cares about more than anything else? And her response was right on target. She said, love. That's exactly right. Because in 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul says this, now abide these three, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You know, Jesus said in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but should have eternal life. And John wrote in his letter, 1 John and 1 John 4, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. If anyone says that he loves God, he should also love his brother. Well, how is it that we love our brother? Well, according to 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, we love our brother or we love one another through expressing our spiritual gifts, through serving one another in love with the gifts that God has given to us. What spiritual gifts has God given to you? And how are you using those gifts to serve one another in love? That's the question before us. Let me pray for you as you think about your answer. God, I pray that you would show us the gifts that you've given to us and that we would see how we are to use those gifts in serving one another and in loving one another. Because of everything that there is, the greatest is love, and help us show that love through using our spiritual gifts. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to help you in your relationship with Christ. Please get in touch with us at Truth That Changes Lives, 233-31, Moulton Parkway. 
Laguna Hills, California, 92653. Or call us at 949-916-0250. On the internet, you will find us at crosslinechurch.com. We hope to see you at one of our services every Sunday at our new campus in Laguna Hills. For more information and directions, please go to crosslinechurch.com. Please join us next time on Truth That Changes Lives. The cross before the world behind, no turning back.